everyone. So today we're going to be talking to Grant Phillips, who is the founder of Chicago Socrates. He has also been involved in various political campaigns, among other things. So Graham, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your experiences? Totally. Uh, my name's Graham. Um, I just, I'm working right now on this uh, nonprofit we're trying to get 501c3 status for, uh, Chicago Socrates. You guys, anybody that's watching this should go give it a follow, chicago.socrates. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's all I'm working on right now, but I'm, I'm glad to talk to you guys. See, um, your, your organization is really dope. It's really impressive how many, uh, how many countries you guys are in right now. I mean, that's, that's super cool. And I think it's going to take a global response uh, to combat climate change. And, you know, you see what's going on in California right now. And I mean, yeah, you guys are doing really, really important work. So I really, really uh, respect you guys. And I'm glad to, to know you guys. And I'm happy we're doing this interview. It's team. Thank you so much. And you've done some amazing things as well. So can you tell us a bit about how you got involved in politics and working campaigns and everything? Yeah, totally. So um, I started when I was 14, um, getting involved at a really young age. I was really uh, glad I, I had that push um, by my parents. I actually was never forced to do anything, but I, um, I was there. I was I went to a great school called Immaculate Conception on Wells Street and um, a Hillary Clinton campaign office uh, opened like across the street from my school and I wanted to check it out. Um, I was a super big fan of Jon Stewart, who's a really great uh, retired now political commentator and comedian. And I was really inspired and that was the first time I was kind of getting into my political consciousness or, you know, just like really getting interested in the news and all that. So I was like, well, I might as well uh, check it out. And I was really young and I just went in and I met the office manager at the time and they uh, just put me on, put me at the table and did some phone boothings, some phone calls for Hillary. And that's where it all started. Yeah, it was really, it was really low key though, as, as a young person would describe it was. That's amazing like, how you started from such a young age. I mean, did that cause any challenges for you being so young? Uh, I, it was a bit of a novelty, you know, at the time it was, uh, it was, I mean, I, 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 it's, it, it wasn't challenging. There's pros and cons, right? There's the pro is like, oh my gosh, it's so cool that you're so young. But at the same time, you're kind of this novelty, which is fair. You know, you're really young and you really just starting to learn about everything. Um, but I, anybody that's 14, I would not let any challenges, you know, stop you from doing what you're doing. It's going to help you no matter what, even if you completely screw up and, you know, get nervous on the phone or going house to house, which happens to everybody. I really recommend just persevering through it because it's going to be positive no matter what, even if you don't want a political career or anything like that. It's really, really, I recommend it to everyone. Definitely. I think Chloe and I started activism around that age. And I think kind of every step that we've taken from then, I think we really started getting into activism in about eighth grade. And I think everything that we've done from then has kind of added up in not only our resumes, but just our experience as activists and our skills. So what did you learn most from working on these campaigns? Um, you know, you learn a lot of things. Um, it's like anything in life. Um, you learn something that I learned was how to talk to people and that people really do care. If you reach out to them, they're going to come off as annoyed at first because oftentimes, especially on the phone, like you're like, who is this? But if you really, it's going to be, you're not going to have a lot of that 
you know, you're not going to have a lot of great conversations, but the ones you do really mean something. It really means something. It helps your candidate. It helps whatever cause you really care for. So it's really just how to talk to people and be in that position where you're almost like a salesman, you know, going door to door, knocking on doors of people you don't know. Um, that's a lot of what campaigning is. And, you know, you just got to sell your, uh, you got to sell it. You got to really, but you also have to, you know, there's a really good TED talk by Simon Sinek and how leaders lead. And um, when you're, when you're at that campaign and you understand, you got to like always keep in mind what your main goal is and why you're working. And if you come in with that passion, uh, you're going to be successful. So if you just, as long as you're passionate about what you're doing and your causes and you go in with that passion, I think people are going to recognize it. I think that's a really good point about being driven by your passions because there's going to be days where it's hard. There's going to be days where it's easier. There's going to be days where it's fun, where it's boring. But as long as you always keep that passion kind of at the heart of what you do, I think you can always yeah. be successful. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I think the, it's just obviously I feel like that's such a cliche. It's like follow your passion and, you know, but it really is just you got you to gotta take a look. And even if it's not a political campaign, you got to like take a look deep down and be like, well, what I, why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, yeah. and if you, I always say, tell my little brother, this is like, make yourself like the main character in a movie. Like, I feel like we're always like one working out or something. We always feel like we're like running away or, you know, like James Bond or something, you know, but you know, that's realer. Your life is realer than the movies that you so admire these fictional characters, you know? Um, so I always try to do that. You know, you're always the main character and always just kind of you know, put some drama and put some, not drama, but, you know, put some like, you know, like literature, if that makes sense to your life, kind of have that, kind of have that uh, mythology and everything like that. Yeah. It, makes it, a lot, it makes it really fun. It makes it, you know, life really worth living. Cause like yeah. I read, I read this book, it was like scientifically, like if you're just looking from a pure scientific standpoint, um, like life is meaningless and that's terrible. That's not a way to look. So you really got to make your own meaning. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like it also just gives you so much to talk about. And it makes it so much easier to build connections and relationships with people when you have experiences, you know, even being so young, like, if you didn't have these experiences, we probably wouldn't be sitting here today talking to you. So I think that just shows like you can really form relationships because of that. And that's so important. I mean, more than just network building, I, um, Fred Swanaker, who is another very impactful, like entrepreneur, and activists, he always says it's building relationships and not networks. So kind of following that, how have you like built these relationships? Like what have you learned and do you have any tips for how people can build relationships? Tips, I, I mean, I just, I gotta say is people, I think people could tell um, if people are doing it to like get something on their college resume or something. And they're really just doing it almost as a chore or like an obligation they have. Um, but if you come at somebody with a lot of passion and a lot of energy, you know, some people are not going to find you annoying and like a pest or whatever. But I think for the most part, people are really going to respect that. Um, you know, I, there's people that I've approached that have been annoyed, you know, absolutely. But, you know, if you give people the intensity and you really show people that you really care and you show up and you, you say you're committed and follow up with your commitments, um, you know, I, I really think that's the best is I, people always think about like, oh, what line am I going to say when I walk up and introduce myself or, you know, what am I going to do? And most, most scenarios, a lot of fundraising events, you'll find yourself in that position or you'll see like this very established person. 
and you just go, I, I mean, something that I've done that I think has been successful is like, just introduce myself and say how much that I really, you really care about what, what you're doing. And then really just talk about what you want to do and like show that you're really passionate about yourself. I think people see if you really invest in yourself, you're going to get two responses. The first response is a negative one. They're like, oh, who do he, who does he or she think she is? Or who does that person think they are? Um, but if it comes from a positive selfless place, I think most people are going to recognize it and respect you and, you know, it's all about just if your main incentive is helping others um, and you you want to be part of something bigger than just yourself, I think people are going to recognize that and respect it. Yeah, and I feel like, I'm sorry, um, like you were saying, I feel like people do, they they can tell when something is genuine, you know, like you they can tell when you're passionate about it. And like you're all saying, like, you don't need everyone to be like, yeah, like, let's do this together. Let's work together. You kind of just need a few. You need one who can then introduce you to other people. You can start forming all these relationships and learning so much. I mean, I, I'm sure you have way more experience than we do, but like, I've learned so much through the people that I've spoken to. And I just know that's going to continue as it, as my life goes on. And I think that's definitely like what Eco Circle has taught me, I think more than anything else how important starting conversations are and just talking to people. Yeah, and don't sell yourself short either. Like Eco Circles, it's really cool. It's a really cool organization. And, um, you know, with just meeting people, it's just, uh, you're, you got to give a phone call. You know, that's what I recommend to everybody is, you yeah. know, I think there's a lot of, if you want to be a leader, you know, I'm not saying, uh, if you want to be a leader in anything, whether it's a football team or, you know, yeah. or, or an organization, you know, and I have to learn this lesson a lot too, because I think I'm not there yet. I think I, I could always improve. Um, but it's, you, you got to be committed. You got to be organized and something I got to work on too. But um, you got to be committed and you have to uh, really show that you care. You know, I, I told, I told people this and I've had people tell me this is, you know, there's a difference, difference between leadership and uh, authority you know, you're not anointed leadership. People have to trust you. People have to trust that you care about them. And then you'll be, you know, you really got to care about it. You can't do it for yourself. If you do it for yourself, people are going to figure it out soon enough. Um, if you really want to be selfless and if you really want to believe in what you're doing, it's going to work out. I can guarantee you that. So yeah, for sure. I think that's a great like differentiation between leadership and authority like I think Chloe and I have experienced this where we've kind of had two different ways of running things one I'd say that's probably more authoritarian where you're trying to teach people this not in a mean way but in a more instructive kind of way and I feel like when you get results out of that I feel like it's less rewarding as a team whereas I feel like when you're really working as a team not only are you all growing and I think Chloe and I that's how we share our passions and like grow as a team and grow with everyone else as a part of ECI and people that we've worked in before. That's what we always tell people. It's not about us necessarily being the more experienced leading activists. It's us all about making mistakes and growing together as activists and learning together. I think that's a huge part about being an activist, especially a youth activist. Yeah, that's something too that I, reminds me is a quote by Senator Cory Booker. And I read his book, like he was one of the first political books I ever read was his biography. And, you know, there's, there's some, he's a, he, I, I'm a very fond of him, but um, he, uh, he said that there's phenomenal individual achievement, you know, there, absolutely. Individual achievement is phenomenal and people should admire it, but uh, individual accomplishments and individual achievement didn't get us to the moon, you know, didn't start the civil rights movement. 
it didn't do what we consider as a country and as a culture, some of our most greatest, our greatest achievements as a culture. It, it, it came with cooperation and it came with everyone, you know, believing in a, an imagined reality. You know, I don't want to say imagine as it's like in a fictional, it's not existent, but you know, it exists because everyone believes in it, you know, and that's what really makes humans, in my opinion, human is the ability to, you know, believe in that imagined reality. So I think, I think that's, that's the most important thing, whether it's looking at from in terms of leadership or just in terms of purpose or whatever you want to do to drive you or whatever you want to do to contribute you know, is you got to give yourself up to that imagined reality or you're going to be miserable. You know, I, it's ironic. It's like self, it's like you're being selfish, selfless in a selfish way sometimes, but you know, it's kind of the beauty of what humanity is, is like we're a lot of times biologically incapable of not being selfless or we'll be miserable. I think on Chloe and I, we did a blog post on ECI's blog um, based on an interview that we did um, with Andrew Mahiwala and it was about how being selfless and like committing your life to service in many different aspects is so rewarding it's almost selfish you know and speaking of letting your passions shape you in your life how has working on campaigns influenced who you are today um you know i'll be honest at, at first it made me pretty arrogant like <laughs> I, I thought i was cooler than i really was you know, I was like, oh, I did this work with Hillary Clinton. I got to meet her a couple times and, you know, whatever, you know, whatever my experience was. Because I've worked with Hillary Clinton. I've, I've did a, I had a fellowship with Tammy Duckworth's campaign. Um, I was, a, I, I worked on the John Fritchie Cook County Commissioner's campaign, which was phenomenal. A great experience. Um, did some work with the Democratic Party. Shout out to the 47th Ward and Paul Rosenfeld. He is doing great work at that ward. Um, and uh, just did some nonprofit work as well. But I, I, at first I was, especially when I was younger, I was like, oh, these kids aren't doing it. You know, these are, this, I'm special. Um, that goes back to like giving yourself up for it is um, I really, I kind of came to this realization that I'm not like, this is something anybody could do. It's not me. It's not because I'm this genius person. Cause I'm not like, it, it's really what, if you want to do it, I think the big thing is just going out and crossing that line. And I know people that kind of crawl, like you roll your eyes, like, oh, it worked out for you, but it's not gonna work out for me. It does not work out like most of the time, but when it does, it does. I, I talked to the CEO of uh, Annie's Cheddar Bunnies. If you know the Cheddar Bunnies and the, the, the they're, they're smacks, they're Cheddar Bunny smack. But she was a, uh, a Latinx and African-American CEO, female CEO. And uh, it's pretty, pretty remarkable accomplishment. And she was, I was like going over her and just talking to her and I was looking for advice. And she was like, you know, you're, you read this resume and you look like these people are like so perfect or whatever, but you realize that like, that's like one to nine ratio of failure. You know, you read all their accomplishments, but the other nine times they failed and they're obviously not going to put that on a resume or they're not going to say that in somebody's obituary, you know? So everyone's flawed you know no one's good no one not good but no one's perfect um everyone's good but um also reminds me of marcus aurelius quote which is you know the the reward for service is the service you know if you really think you're in that position to give um you have an obligation to do so you know so if you're in an opportunity to give back 
that's your reward. You shouldn't do it selfishly. You shouldn't do it for something else. That's what your reward is. And if you get in a mindset where you're actually satisfied with that, then I think you're going to find a lot of happiness. Yeah, for sure. And sorry, moving on to the next question. Um, what do you think are the top three reasons that youth specifically should get involved or be educated and engaged in politics? And do you think that all youth should be educated and engaged in politics? Well, politics is is really important, you know, obviously, because it's, it, I think people realize, well, my life's not going to be very different either way. But that's really not true, you know. Um, I'm not going to say too many political statements here, but there's a lot of stuff going on that's not great, you know, and it, there's a lot of things that I think people don't think they're being influenced by. This is me as well as like, I don't think a commercial ever works on me, but it subconsciously does. So I think that people need to be aware of their subconscious, you know, and that kind of sounds like some hippy dippy stuff. But what I mean by that is that you know, even if something like you don't directly have that, like, oh, dang, that that statement just hurt my feelings. Deep down somewhere, it did, you know, and that's in your subconscious. Um, so I, will, I would say with politics is it has way more influence on your life than you think it does. Um, I think also that you're going to have a, a, an interesting and very unique sense of satisfaction um, if you get, participate in government and your culture. And um, I think that if you get the earlier you get, the better. Um, I think there's, it's really, really diverse field. So there's something for everybody. You know, there's campaign ads, there's art. You know, the, the piece of the Obama Hope poster is one of the most famous political pieces of art ever. You know, but that's art, in my opinion, that's art as much as anything else. You know, so I think that if you're like, oh, I'm not really into history, or I'm not really into watching the news, um, I think that's a really limited way to thinking. Um, I think there's gonna there's a place for everybody. And I wouldn't say it's politics too. I'd say it's more so getting involved with something greater than yourself, like yeah. government. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, I feel like sometimes people, including myself, like you were saying, like we don't really register how much politics will influence our lives. Like, even think about the presidential election. A lot of people are like, oh, well, I don't like either candidate. But it's not just about the candidate. It's about so much more than that. It's about the Supreme Court. I mean, it's about everything. So well, it's, I feel it's like, also pay attention to policy as well. I think that's yeah. something too is, is that there's a lot of political rhetoric and it's not always accurate yeah it's like the stock market people are playing by the day and yeah. um, just really take a deep dive there's really great independent sites to look at i recommend looking at the bbc they're really good because they look at it from really a non-partisan perspective um you know i i'm not too fond of american media in general i think it's i think it's 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 a nightmare and that's a that's a really big issue too is you know like uh, that cnn was like oh that's kind of in the middle but now there's like there's this oh, cnn's under fire now too have you heard about that where they're like president was friends with trump and then but like jake tapper or it was either jake tapper i think it was chris Cuomo was like prepping michael cohen and how to like like bash trump and like you know it's really it wasn't very it wasn't journalism's finest moment you know so I think that it's a, you just go internationally they have less of an incentive to uh, to help out or it's a less an incentive to influence people's opinions. And I think with the world being so divided as it today with, you know, I hate things being called left or right because the thing is there's so many issues 
that cross the spectrum. You know, I have more right-wing views, but I also have more left-wing views. And, you know, you don't have to label yourself and put yourself in a box because then you're just marginalizing your opinions. And, you know, there's so much more to politics than just kind of what side you're on. And I think that's why, another reason why it's so important to get involved because you're talking about the subconscious. I think, especially if you're only getting your information from one media platform, no matter what media platform, CNN, Fox, all these different things that is going to alter the way you think. And I just think it's so important to kind of diversify where you're getting your information from, who you're talking to. And I think with ECI as well, kind of talking to an international audience and trying to get as many perspectives on sustainability as possible is really key, you know, especially with sustainability, kind of creating this circular world. You really need everyone to be on board and kind of hear as many opinions as you can for it really to be able to sustain itself in the future. Right. You know, humans are, are, I completely agree. Humans are uh, genetically tribal, you know, so you see with this political polarization, these new cultural tribes that are developing with the left and right here, it's really harming. You know, I, my biggest thing in my, per, my, my most passionate case is, is cause, excuse me, that case is political polarization, um, specifically congressional gridlock. And before we do anything, we have to have a functional government, you know, and when you're when you're viewing the other side as a as a uh, an enemy, because um, there's always going to be political combat. Since Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, and Alexander Hamilton, there's been an enormous amount of animosity. But I'm talking about like when the bases identify with their political opinions. I think that's really bad. I really, really would suggest anybody to not identify with what they believe politically. I think it's a terrible way of just conducting your life is identify, like, how would you describe yourself? Oh, well, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican or I'm a Bernie supporter or whatever. You know, I'm not saying anything individually about those individual people. All I'm saying is anybody, you know, identifies as just their political, you know, you know, I think it also, I think Pete Buttigieg said this in a podcast is um, I think it shows that there's a really sense of people want a sense of belonging. Um, and I don't think political politics is, just politics alone is a is a good place to do it. You know, I think you should believe in a cause and fight for it through politics, but you shouldn't get, you shouldn't go to politics just because you want somewhere to belong. You want to be a part of a team. You know, so I think as a government and as a culture, more so than anything else, we really need to make sure that we're more inclusive. And I think this political polarization is doing the, is just really wrecking our country in terms of like congressional gridlock and, you know, families are fighting and everything. It's really, it's making the situation a lot worse. I 100% agree with you. And I think especially the media today from both sides, I don't, I don't think necessarily one side is to blame more than the other. I think a lot of media and a lot of people are being very divisive at the moment. And with so many of these issues, in my opinion, a lot of us do actually want the same thing. It's just with all these kinds of different sides to it, these different a lot of, you know, incorrect facts, incorrect statistics being spread around. Everyone thinks they're right and they think the other person's wrong but I think if we really kind of just stopped listening to what we're being told to believe by whatever party whatever box whatever wing we're a part of and we really just start listening to other people I think we'll really start to agree yeah on more things and really move forward together more and more positive yeah. sure. yeah, sorry go on Chloe oh. I was gonna say one quick thing I was talking to someone about this the other day and I because someone was talking to me about how like they they just vote for this party because of it's their party it's, it was their parents party etc but like i asked them well, what do you care about 
And if you ask people what like issues they care about, you'd be surprised how many people just don't know, you know? And I think that's something we all need to like look at, like what issues matter to us because we're not all going to care as much about everything. It's about finding the thing that like hits you, you know, like I actually wrote an article about this called finding your why and your fire, you know, like, why are you doing this? Why are you getting involved in this issue? And then what issue makes you feel a fire? Like, what do you feel passionate about? And I think for me, obviously it was environmentalism, but doesn't mean that I don't care about other issues. But when I talk about environmentalism, that's where my fire lies. I think if everyone just found their fire and their why, I mean, we as a society could get so much done. Absolutely. And I I think too, is that a lot of people find their why really negatively. It's like, they don't want to, actually they're not pushing for a cause like that's why i respect you guys so much is you're really pushing for resourcefulness recycling pushing for towards environmentalism but a lot of people are like ben shapiro just obliterates liberal know-it-all and then or it's like bernie sanders (laughs) or like bernie sanders like socialist queen just absolutely destroys and i'm like the only reason why you're doing this is to prove that you're smarter than somebody else and you're really not doing anything at all like just go away like like that's don't you you don't want to destroy people you want to help convince them why you think what the way you do and it all has to do with perspective you know if i was a you know i'm more of a liberal person but if i was in more if i was in a place where i was you know more it'd be more beneficial to me to have you know more conservative ideals i'd probably be conservative i mean i think people that's another thing too i think people need to take honest looks at themselves a lot of people just want to look at themselves and think that they're like these, you know, moral, like untouchable people, morally untouchable people. But like, you're probably, you would probably be doing the exact same thing. I guess, I guess I'm saying is there should be a little more empathy, you know, is that I don't think the, the sense that I'm better, especially morally uh, than anyone else. I think the term's moral posturing. I, uh, it's just bad. I mean, you got to, even Trump supporters, I know I have a quick story and it's, it's basically that I met this woman, I was, this was kind of when I was more arrogant and she was like talking about how Trump was a part of her community, deep Southern accent, you know, hefty older Southern lady from Louisville, Kentucky. And um, I was like, oh my gosh, like I was, I was that liberal person for sure. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't, why I'm even having dinner with this person or it was brunch. And um I learned why my mom got there late with my grandmother, who's Filipino, an immigrant, a, war, a refugee actually from the Philippines from World War II. And they said, uh, she was like, oh, this is your Aunt Juanita. And I was like, oh, my Aunt Juanita, that's, that's why she's with my blood aunt, like what's up? And they're like, no. And the story was that my grandmother was so alone, you know, barely, barely spoke English at Louisville, Kentucky. A nun sent her there as a refugee program or something. And um, my Aunt Juanita went up to her, saw how alone she was, and was like, do you have family here? And my grandmother was like, prideful, or not prideful, but respectful, and said, yeah, yeah, I do. But it's very obvious she didn't. She's like, it's okay, honey. You have a family now. Took care of my grandmother for like 10 years. Now she's a Trump supporter. She literally housed an immigrant and made her a part of her family for 10 years. You know, I don't know how many liberals would do that. (laughs) You know, like, so I, I think that, it's very important to look at policy and it's very important not to cast these people as these demons or these ignorant people because there, there are certainly a lot of ignorance on both sides and I think it's just important to be a little more open-minded. Yeah, very, very well. Sure. 
And then and, kind of, I'm oh, sorry, you can go. <laughs> so, and touching upon going back to what you've done in your work. So can you tell us a bit about Chicago Socrates and how you founded that, why you founded it, what it is? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, been wanting to do it for a while. Um, my belief is, is that our education system and our system in general is failing a lot of kids. Um, the education system, the current one, is actually founded during the second industrial revolution. Um, and it was training a lot of kids to be a part of manufacturing. Um, and it really does not emphasize on creativity. You know, you get these mathematic courses every day for decades. And I'm not saying math is unimportant because it is. I'm not denying that. But there's, you know, it, there's it, the first thing that's cut when there's student budget cuts or school budget cuts is art classes. What does that tell young artists when the first thing that is cut is art classes? Our art classes are electives, you know? And what our education system, in my opinion, is supposed to do is prepare kids for the economy, prepare kids to be good citizens. And, you know, the way the economy's going with the rise of AI, robotics, um, the rise of a lot of things, um, being human, that creative right brain side of you is going to be more and more important, especially for the development of our country. So I think there should be a really heavy emphasis on creativity and art. And the system is totally failing artists. Like 40% of students in Oklahoma or 40% of high school students in Oklahoma don't have access to an art class at all. That's absurd. That's unacceptable. You got a lot of kids that are brilliant. I think this is a TED talk. I forgot. Ken Robinson, I think is his name. But he said there's a lot of kids that are absolutely brilliant and creative and they don't believe they are because the education system does not reward brilliance and creativity. You know, so what we want to do is create an organization that first thing does, first thing it does is create a community for people that are artists that want to meet other artists, meet other people like them. But we also just want to like put down those barriers that a lot of artists shouldn't be facing you know so what we want to do is help promote kids and any art like it's a development everyone has an artist inside of them there's not like artists and non-artists everyone has an artist inside of them that's why it's so bad with this education system is because you know there's obviously going to be that one math whiz in your class you're like dang he's really good at math but it doesn't mean that everyone else has no ability to do math at all and there's that attitude towards art like oh well that's an artist and no one else is like i i don't do art but it's because there's been absolutely no training, you know, in website development, the way that the job market's going online and creativity and social media and all this, the way the economy is going, you know, these creative skills, just from an economic standpoint, not even a cultural one, it's so important to have these creative skills and really encourage people to develop these skills. It's going to give our country, our community a heads up and recreate a more effective society. For sure. And then... Sorry. Also, I think, I think with ECI, I think Chloe and I have definitely realized that. And not only have we had to kind of stretch ourselves to become more yeah. artistic and creative, but I think we've we also realized. So I was going to say we had to do some graphic design. And at first, that, that was a struggle for us. But like, we Adobe Exactly. <laughs> and I think the whole experience really made us realize how important artists are. And that's um, we originally reached out to teen artist Creative Oasis, known as Taco in Chicago. Yeah, it was <laughs> exactly. Um, we reached out to them because we needed more artists. We needed help from artists. So it goes from I think a lot of people kind of look down on artists, and especially the education system. I feel like 
creates this view of being, you know, unelected, being kind of an additional thing that it's a privilege to do. And then here, Chloe and I are trying to set up this organization focusing on sustainability and we need artists. So I think yeah. it's seeing, I feel like when we kind of think about the job industry and the economies you're talking about, we see it kind of here and arts and artists is like a separate thing that we kind of just, is just for entertainment and is kind of a privilege to do almost like, oh, you do art, that's cool, that's a hobby. When in fact, so much in society, when you're talking about, you know, Obama's campaign and hope and everything like that, art is a huge part of our society. Yeah. Marketing. Yeah, and I think digital art, especially now, is becoming such a big thing. So if you think about social media, if you see a post, it's just straight up, like, text and, like, a paragraph. Like, I'm like, oh, I don't want to read that. But if I see a post that looks, like, visually engaging, that has things that, like, stri strikes my brain, then yeah, like a, I actually want to yeah. look at it, you know? And I think you see that in everything. I mean, every single thing, pretty much, has an element of art in it and needs an artist. And George and I always joke about how we lack creativity. But we are definitely improving and like realizing, like Georgia was saying, how important it is to have that and how important it is to be open to like learning new skills, whether it's digitally or by hand. Yeah, and no one, uh, no one lacks creativity either. You know, it's yeah. something you have to develop. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think Chloe and I have been working on that as well, being more <laughs> open-minded. But the fact that we can, in fact, be good artists, and we've been having to kind of teach yeah. ourselves that and I'm not even saying that to be nice because I didn't have that opinion before like I you I, I I'm gonna be so honest like I my my girlfriend at the time um we broke up but at the time we she was like oh I want to be an, I want to pursue art right and then she was like mediocre drawer I'm not gonna lie she's mediocre at sketching and I was like okay Lauren you do that like maybe you shouldn't you're really brilliant you should do other things but okay like being a jerk about it you know and we broke up maybe that was some inspiration to her you know I'm not going to take credit but we got back together and she was like getting scholarships to the school the art institute and everything and she worked really hard to get to become a really great drawer a really great artist and now she's getting accepted to the school the art institute getting like free education for it she's a phenomenal artist I really mean that she, we're not together anymore, but I really respect her and I respect her art. And that showed me like, wow, that's a terrible attitude to have because how many artists are out there that take a little time to develop? You know, there's a lot of great people in politics or in anything, like writers, for example, a lot of writers are failing English class, you know, direct, like Quentin Tarantino never even went to directorial school, you know, and he's one of the most accomplished directors of all time. Um, so the point is, is it, it's a process and it's something you got to work on. Um, for sure. So we have like a minute left. So really quickly, what are your plans for the future, short term and long term? Plans for the future. Um, I want to be, um, I'll do it fast. I, I, I just want to help out my community any way I can. Um, you know, you don't know how, how long you got here. Um, any way that I could be of use to anybody else, reach out to me. Reach out to me through Chicago Socrates, Chicago.Socrates at Instagram. Um, like, I just, we want to help. That's all we want to do. We don't want to do this to look good. We don't want to do this. We want to help. It makes us feel better about ourselves if you're wondering why we're doing it. But um, <laughs> we're make not better about ourselves, but you get a certain... Being, being selfless is selfish. I mean, yeah, exactly. I always say. It's a sense of satisfaction that you wouldn't with anything else. And then short term, we're actually doing a protest called uh, Young Artists for Democracy. It's going to be on the one of the first days of early voting. We're going to have this really cool artistic space 
Obviously, we're going to be very cautious of social distancing, but we're going to really push out the vote because this election is so important. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but it is so, so important. We're going to try to do it using art. and We're going to try to encourage people as best as we can. So pop out, pop out, pop out, wear mask, pop out. It's going to be buzzing. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great time. Definitely check out Chicago Socrates for more information on that. We're running out of time, but thank you so much, Graham. That was an amazing talk. I hope you guys like that. A lot, a lot of ground covered there, but you know, find your passion. Don't be afraid to be creative. Yeah, do it. Just do it. Just, you're going to have a bad drawing at first. It's going to be bad and it's going to be better. And you're going to be really proud of yourself, you know, whether that's drawing or politics or whatever, just do it fail and then try again and fail. Yeah. And I have don't a whole education system, but I don't know if I could say it in the 10 seconds we have less left. So really that you guys are